Since the 70s, strange reports of a deep and constant humming sound have been popping up all over the globe. The source of this hum? Unknown. Perhaps until tonight. Hello and welcome to the Hoke Poke Pod, the show where we explore the strange and unusual. Really? We're just two idiots poking stuff we don't understand. So join us as we dare to ask the questions that nobody wants answered, such as, is there an international radio frequency that select few people can hear? Could tinnitus explain away a strange and unsolved audio phenomena? And does Glenn ever get in the box? I'm Erica. And I'm Emily. We humbly invite you to join us. A lot of people listening, the big question will be, what is the worldwide hum, which is the topic for, for tonight's podcast. Um, and this was a topic that I always kind of heard about, I suppose, just as long as I'd been sort of on the internet. Um, but it's new to a lot of people and essentially uh, new to you as well. So you'll yeah. kind of act as a, a soundboard for these different ideas and theories. Um, what it is, is it's an international phenomena recorded around the globe by thousands of people, basically since the 70s, and it is reported to be a v- consistent, very low-frequency hum that people hear. It can either be a, a long droning noise, kind of like a car engine. Some people also report it to be like a throbbing sound, like an electrical sort of current. But it is something that people hear pretty much invasively, something that for a lot of people is very disruptive to their lives, akin to tinnitus, which um, if people aren't aware is that, that high-pitched ringing in the ears that most people experience at some point in their life. For other people's, it's chronic. Mm. So that's kind of the base of what the worldwide hum is. It's a very strange thing. It is, and I think it's something that it's easy to kind of think about as just a version of tinnitus or just something that a bunch of people have heard, you know, a car going past and wanted to report it. But as I looked into it, um, I I kind of got interested and I think a lot of my ideas about what it could be have changed a great deal. Wow. See, we've talked about this a little bit, but I think we both went and did some research and came back and now we're going to chat about it. I'm so interested to hear. Yeah. Yeah what you think now um so i think the first the first thing to give it i guess a a more credence um is the fact that according to the data gathered by the the worldwide hum website um is that it's estimated about two to four percent of the earth's population have heard this at some point which doesn't sound like an enormous amount until you remember that only two percent of the world's populations are redhead so that is twice as many redheads (laughs) as there are in the world (laughs) For a second, I thought you were saying only redheads have heard <laughs> the worldwide hum. I was like, okay, so why is this a mystery then if it's clearly only correlated with them? <laughs> no. Uh, on any coloured hair, you potentially could have heard the worldwide hum. Um, but, yeah, 2 to 4% still doesn't sound like much, but when you look at it that, it is a fair amount of people. Um, it, yeah, the reports kind of only really started in the 1970s. Um, specifically in, in 1977 in Bristol, England, there was a newspaper article that said, have you heard the hum? And it was when people had come forward and this journalist had sort of accumulated some different stories. And that's kind of the first published record we have of this phenomenon. And I suppose where it probably got its name as the hum. Wow. I do wonder, I don't know if I'm getting ahead of myself, but Sorry for it. Jump, jump. when people see things like that, if they're more likely to start to hear it, 
That is interesting. And I feel like that's certainly true for a lot of stuff. Like just in, I mean, we've been kind of researching this for a couple of weeks and I've listened out for it. I haven't heard it. I won't say, but every now and then I'll hear something that potentially could be a low range hominin and I'll go, oh, oh shit, is this it? Which is kind of scary because for most people that report it, it's something that is forever. Mm-hmm. It's something that they, they hear and then once they're in a quiet enough environment, they can continue to hear it for the rest of their lives. And it's only indoors, right? Which I think is one of the most interesting things about it. So there's a few things that kind of identify the sound as the hum and not any kind of other sound that you might be hearing. One of it is for the majority of people who report hearing it, it is most prominent after 10 p.m. at night. That's wild. That is wild. And and we'll kind of get into the reasons that that could be the Mm, case a bit later. The other thing, like you said, is that the majority of people report only being able to hear it indoors, in cars, um, in enclosed spaces. So if they're out in the fields, out in the gardens, they're not necessarily going to be able to hear it, which to me is one of the most interesting facts about it. It sounds like something like, I guess, coming from a, a sound perspective, I suppose, if you're in an indoor space, if you're really sensitive to hearing things like that, I guess it's more likely that you'd hear it indoors because things would be bouncing around. Well, yeah, exactly. I did an interview with an audiologist about this, actually, which is my mum. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sounds more professional when they say an audiologist. Erica interviewed her mum. <laughs> I did my mum. Who mom. is an audiologist. an audiologist. And she's very great. professional and she's fantastic. But that's what she was saying as well. I mean, you have a lot more knowledge about sound than I do. I don't know jack shit about sound. Um but yeah, there are certainly a lot of points about it that, that kind of take it away from being what I think is one of the most common perceptions is that it is a form of tinnitus or it is an internal phenomena. Um, but yeah, we'll get to the kind of the four core theories in a moment. Um, so the main stats about it is that it has been reported to be heard all over the world. The main database um, for information about the worldwide harm in terms of other people reporting it comes from the HUM map, which was founded in 2012 by um, a man named Glenn McPherson, a Canadian man. Um, and he is kind of the cornerstone of any modern HUM research that you're going to find. Uh, and it's, what I find interesting about the HUM is that it is such a recent phenomenon. Even though we have those first reports in 77, there really haven't been any research or, or databases or this collective information gathered until like the 2010s. So that's kind of the main source of information. And you can just Google the hum map if you want to look at it. It kind of pinpoints a bunch of locations where the hum has been heard and reported and what those people specifically have heard and then some sort of questions about their sort of history and and, and why they might be hearing it. It's pretty incredible. It's a huge map. How many points are there on there? Well, the only information I could find was back in 2017. They reported to have about 17,000. Um, and that was three years ago. And so sort of who knows um, how many have, have joined it since. Yes. Um, and what was interesting actually is when, when we were looking into it, you found someone close to home. Yes. Like how many points have there been around the world? And I looked at Australia and I zoomed in and I zoomed into Sydney area and there's really not that many. But as it turns out, uh, north of Sydney, there was a a point marked on the map, literally in the suburb I grew up in. So I went and typed up a letter and delivered it to the house. Um, we did not get a response. I feel Very like that's, fishy. <laughs> I feel like that's kind of the, the, the 
par for the course for this podcast. <laughs> we throw things out into the ocean and we get not a bite. We get nothing. <laughs> nothing. No one's willing to talk to us. No matter how much we tell them we're studying stuff for university. Yeah, how many lies we tell them, it doesn't matter. They <laughs> doesn't won't respond to, to us. us. I feel like we're courteous. I feel like we're kind and polite. And I give so many compliments too. You do. You're a very, very generous writer. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, at least someone appreciates it. <laughs> Nevertheless, we were unsuccessful in actually picking up sort of anyone who's heard this or reported this. But one thing I did notice from reading this person's entry was that these were people who were really focused on health and their fitness. And so clearly they were looking after themselves and they didn't really have any crazy, wacky ideas that they wrote. Well, yeah, I think, and as we talk about the hum, this name Glenn McPherson will come up a lot. I hope I'm saying the last name right. Um, And what I kind of can appreciate about his research and his study is that he is very thorough, as far as I can tell, in in debunking a lot of the claims. He has kind of a long list of people who've come to him with what they say is the harm, and he'll investigate them and go, well, no, it's probably this. He has a checklist. Check out this source. Check out this source. And only when he's certain that you're certain it's none of these obvious sort of sources, then he will add you to to the database. Um, so I kind of, kind of appreciate that at least from what I've read about him, he's doing his due diligence to kind of weed out the conspiracy theorists of the more extreme type. See that, that legitimizes it a lot as well. Having that checklist, what is the actual process for checking when, I guess, what's the actual process for finding out how someone experiences this as compared to if they don't well it's interesting because it's like um like tinnitus and that it is not something that you can observe or study from an outside perspective you can't record it you can't pinpoint it it's not like a physical phenomenon that you can go oh, yes you've got this you know deformity in the ear that makes you hear this it's just based on people's information anecdotal so that already makes it very difficult to legitimize a lot of the claims but he has a very thorough list. He's got apps on his phone that can detect nearby like power sources and transmission boxes. And he's got, does it occur at this time of day? Does it occur at this time of night? And basically, if you go through all these lists and you go, yes, 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 then it's probably the worldwide harm. Um, and as well as it sounds quite different depending on the report you read, it's always that very low frequency, almost, almost mechanical sound. So other things that are higher frequency or less consistent are kind of usually debunked. But then once again, that's, it's really hard because it is something that is so unresearched, so sort of unverified. It is very difficult to kind of go, well, yes, you're hearing it and you're not hearing it because we don't really know what it is. Wow. Yeah. So, so that's it, essentially. It's, it's a very low frequency humming sound that is heard most of the time at night and always indoors never outdoors. The people who do hear it report that they hear it everywhere they go, as long as it's quiet. So uh, I even read a report where someone had moved to the city to try to avoid hearing it because there's so much like foot traffic and sounds of the, the, the you know city life that disrupt it and they can't hear it anymore. Because a lot, a lot of people, I can imagine, it would be incredibly maddening to hear this sound all the time. Yeah. Especially not knowing what it is. No. So when you start to look at what it, it could be in different theories... 
Um, all of the research really started in 2004 with this man named David Demings, who was a scientist who heard the hum himself. And he kind of sort of went forth and did a bunch of research and he published his paper, which is, I'm going to argue, probably the only academic paper on it, at least that I could find, um, called The Hum, an Anomalous Sound Heard Around the World. He kind of came up with the four base theories of what the worldwide hum could be. So one of this is internal phenomena, um, i.e. something like tinnitus, where it's just something that individuals hear. That's another thing about the world of hum that we didn't mention is that it doesn't tend to be this household, everyone hears it, or in this city, this bunch of people hear it. It's individual. So it's random. It's random. So you could have five people living in a house and only one person hears it. It's, mm. it's not grouped or clustered in that way. So that kind of points it away from being an external phenomena and, and would you know, suggest that it's maybe something like tinnitus. Um, so that's one of the theories, and we'll go further into depth later. Another one is that it is caused by VLF, something called very low frequencies. Another is that it is kind of a combination of different frequencies and man-made sounds and, and different radio waves. Um, and the fourth theory, theory is that it's a natural phenomenon. So it's something that the earth is producing, a sound. I like that one the most. Yeah. which is, I don't I, think, I think I read that one. That's probably because it's the one that has the least information and maybe the least credibility to it. I'm backing it right and now. <laughs> Making it known. <laughs> You're putting your foot down. This is yours, fish I think the earth is rumbling and some <laughs> people are hearing it. Maybe the aliens that's okay. descending. See, this is the type of thing that I think um, old Glenn McPherson would, would poo-poo and boot you out of the home community. That's okay because I don't hear it anyway. <laughs> he can boot me out. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> but that is, that is one theory, and that is a lot of people have proposed the idea, well, could it be aliens? Could it be supernatural? Which, look, I, I think if that's what you believe and you've got good arguments for it, sure, I'll hear you out. I think this is not going to be the place where we entertain those ideas because I think this is an interesting phenomenon. I think it actually has a lot of credence and credibility in the more, uh, I'll say it's sane answers. So, so aliens and supernatural stuff, I will say no, taking them off the table for this conversation. Normally you're the wild card. I I love that stuff. I wish it was aliens, but I just, I just feel like sometimes truth is, is, is better than fiction. Normally, and, normally Erica is the wild card, and today she's pulling a sanity not, on me. I know, I am. I'm saying, I'm saying this time. I think, I think the real world explanations are potentially way more interesting than just calling it aliens. So, I'm, I'm aliens can take a back seat. We'll get back to you next week, perhaps, or the week after. Um, oh, I can't wait for that. The aliens will come back. Don't worry. Okay, don't worry, everyone. The aliens <laughs> will be returning. They're taking a little siesta. This. We're going to talk about some some real theories. So, yes, David Demings kind of pioneered a lot of these theories. And and so the first one is the idea of natural phenomena I'll talk about because it's probably the one that has the least credence to it, at least from what I read. Once again, not experts, ladies and gents, not experts. Like, I barely understand any words that I'm saying at any point, (laughs) let alone when you start talking about sound and science. I think that's the point is that we have no credibility. Yeah. That's and we're why just bringing these things out and being like, what's this? Exactly. I don't it's know a, what this is. It's a loosey-goosey kind of podcast for sure. <laughs> By loosey-goosey. <laughs> I mean, stupid. <laughs> so um, natural phenomena, that would be 
kind of, yeah, kind of like what you said, the earth rumbling. Um, I, and there was one article I read that supposed it could be underwater volcanoes. Love that. Um, and we're just hearing these very, because obviously that's so much energy and so much power and that, that intense volume. Of course, it has the power to move tectonic plates, mm. like what's happening so underneath. is yeah. it feasible that, that people are hearing it? And like, you know, we, we know, all know that animals have been known to pick up on earthquakes and, and volcanoes before people have. Um, I mean, that's what the, oh my God, I'm going to sound like an idiot. The thing that measures the... Oh, the um, meter thing. The meter thing. Like, does little ticks. The, um, what's it called? You know, it's got a thing. It's in all the movies. The earthquake meter? The earthquake meter. The <laughs> so, oh, size, 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 seismometer? Seismometer. Size meter. Seismic. Anyway, oh, that sounds whatever. weird. Seismic. The size. <laughs> seismic. Detection machine. Um, <laughs> we did not I finish mean, science, clearly. <laughs> that's what that is. Oh, I mean, we just lost so much credibility. <laughs> That's essentially what that is. So, I mean, is it is it possible? Maybe? Maybe. That's kind of as far as the research goes that I could find. I just feel like there are a lot of reasons that point away from it being. And it begs a lot of questions because why would some people hear it more than others? Yeah. Does that come back to their anatomy or like how their brains work? That's true. And I think for me, there's one big fact that, that pushes it away from it being natural to me, and that is the fact that reports really only started in the 70s. Yeah. And people have been around for as long as, you know, people have been around, volcanoes even longer, um, and tinnitus has been recorded in for, for thousands of years, so why wouldn't the worldwide hum be recorded if it was caused by seismic movements or underwater volcanoes or, or some kind of natural phenomena? That's true. Because that would be, that's a constant variable. Yeah. That, that's always been around. Seismic activity has always been here. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And it's, it's not going away anytime soon. And, and like, uh, I read one report that in 1881, somebody reported like a low rumbling sound. But the fact that that was all I could find. Maybe it was the horse and cart. Like, did they look yeah, out the window? I just feel like the fact that since the 70s, we've had like an increasing amount of this report, to me, points to it being recent. Mm. And so I, I, for me, natural phenomena kind of loses a, a lot of its credibility. Um, so the next interesting one is, is, is it an internal phenomena? which would be something like tinnitus. So with this problem, I actually went to my mum, audiologist, and asked her about tinnitus because that's not my wheelhouse and it is very much her wheelhouse. And what's your mum's name? Megan. I mean, is a reputable audiologist. Um, and so essentially tinnitus is a, a high-pitched sound that most people will hear it at some point in their life. I've heard it before. Um, but for a lot of people, it's chronic. And it's just a very constant, high-pitched kind of beeping buzz in their ears. And it, it once again, it's an interesting thing because it's not observable. We can't prove it. We can't look at a piece of the body and go, yes, this person has tinnitus. Um, it's just something that we have to take off, off, you know, faith. You say you have tinnitus, you have tinnitus. But one of the things that we can do with tinnitus is we can actually determine what frequency your tinnitus is at by playing uh, a sound of the same frequency they will cancel each other out and you won't be able to hear the tinnitus anymore. And that is called phasing. <laughs> Soundy skills. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> These are the very basics that I know of 
the bit of sound that I have done. But when it cancels itself out, that's called phasing. This probably won't end up in the final thing. <laughs> no, that's interesting. And yeah, so they use phasing to show that, that your tinnitus is at this frequency. Um, and essentially, the difference between tinnitus and the worldwide hum is that the worldwide hum is always at a very, very low frequency. Um, so obviously the question is, well, why can't tinnitus be at a low frequency? And there was a long, complicated answer to this. It's to do with the shape of the cochlea, and essentially the part of the cochlea where the high-frequency sounds are detected is more vulnerable to damage, and so it affects the high frequencies more than it will any other sort of frequency. So is it possible that it could be low-frequency? Um, it's very unlikely, and we haven't heard of it, but once it's said, maybe. Like, people are hearing the hum. I believe these people. I'm not going to call... At least 17,000 people are lying. Yeah. So it's certainly something. But this is interesting though, like within, I guess, our wider topic, you're not going to call 17,000 people a liar. Mm -hmm. So people who say they've experienced the paranormal. Oh. Okay. I, do you believe? Mm, see, Would you believe true. them? Would I, you call a million people a liar? Well, I don't think they're lying because I think they really like believe in what they're saying but do i believe that it's okay so let's put it this way it's if someone came to me and said i hear the worldwide hum i would believe them if someone came to me and said i hear the worldwide hum and i think it's caused by ghosts i would say <laughs> i don't think so <laughs> is that fair but if someone came to you and said i hear ghosts <laughs> i would say i think you hear something i think it might be caused by other sort of sources, I don't believe it's caused by the supernatural, but I do believe you were hearing something. Hmm. Okay. So I guess that's the question. It's not, it's not, is everybody, for me, it's not, are people really hearing this? It's why are they hearing it? And mm. what are they hearing? So it's more about the cause. It's more about the cause. Because um, I, I think it's, at this point, it's, to me, yeah, it's, a, it's observable. And I'm not a scientist. I'm probably not going to be as rigorous or like harsh on on the evidence that i need to see to but then like if i'm not going to believe in the worldwide harm like am i not going to believe in tinnitus i've experienced it temporarily oh you have really yeah um maybe a couple times hmm, interesting um so yeah for me the the, the low frequency high frequencies is a harsh reason that i think it, it's probably not tinnitus another reason that it's different and this is the biggest difference for me is that with the worldwide hum, you only hear it in enclosed spaces. Tinnitus is in the ears. It's an internal phenomena. We don't know why we can't see it, but we know it's internal because people hear it no matter where they are. Yeah. Not with the worldwide hum. It is in enclosed spaces, which points to it being something to do with the, the way that sound, like you said, moves around a space. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's very true. And I think what's interesting is I actually came into this after doing my research being like, well, I think it probably is internal. It probably is something mm. that the body is producing and these people are hearing. And as it was actually talking to my mum, that, that changed my mind about it. Um, it was the way that she was talking about closed environments. Um, and she was talking about something called a resonant phenomena which is when you're in an enclosed space, any sound that you hear is, is not just from the source, but it's bouncing off all the walls and the chamber that you're in. Um, and so it's coming at you from multiple directions. Um, and, and she kind of 
pointed out to me that if it was internal, you'd, you'd be hearing it outside. Of course you would. But if it is something external and it's bouncing off the walls, then when you're in an outdoor space, that's just not going to happen. That's true. Hmm. Unless you're in a forest with lots of trees. Um, but probably not. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> I think they'd have to be very condensed trees. Trees but made of tin. It's possible. I don't know. It's possible. So the second theory, or the third theory, sorry, is VLF, which is, I, I don't know, very low frequency um, is what it stands for. Um, so essentially a very low frequency is any frequency between 3 to 30 hertz. Now, the human sort of ear... Here's 20 to 20,000. Wow, look at you go. Um, and it's quite uncommon to hear below, I think the number was 125. Yeah. When conducting hearing tests, usually the lowest hertz they go to is 250, sometimes 125. And essentially any sound below that is going to have to be really, really loud and intense and is way more likely to be felt than it is to be heard. Yeah. Like and it's also a subconscious thing too. Like you can, what do you mean by that? You can hear it without knowing you're hearing it. Like feel it? Yeah, you can feel it. Oh. Well, like it's, I'll have to do more research into that, but I'm no, pretty sure it's, it's something you can still subconsciously hear because you're, you are physically able to hear it. it. It's up. just you, your brain's not processing the information from yeah. a certain. Wow. Like audibly. It's like a, more of a gut feeling. Which is, once again, the hum, people sort of universally say they can hear it. Not a feeling they can hear it, which, which kind of points it away from VLF. But for a long time, and especially in Deming's research, VLF was the, the running theory. This is what it was. Caused by these very low frequency sounds. And basically the source of those would be um, the fact that the US Navy and other, other military officers have used very low frequencies as a way to increase their radio power essentially. Um, especially there was this naval operation called Takamo where they were using VLF to send radio signals from planes and, and other bases to deep sea submarines. So it's a way for those radio waves to travel further and people were theorizing that maybe they were picking up on these very low frequencies. But it, essentially that is problematic because people aren't supposed to hear that, they're supposed to feel that. Um, but Demings came up with a idea of how you could prove whether it was or was not very low frequencies because this was the running theory it was also the running theory by um glenn mcpherson who who runs the hum site um and deming's idea was to create three boxes called deming's boxes and hmm, original <laughs> <laughs> one would be a box that was basically vlf soundproofed Using a lot of complicated steels and metals and, and fancy systems, you could create a box in which very low frequencies would not be able to penetrate. Other sounds would. It's not a soundproof box. Just these very low frequencies would not be able to get in. So you, someone would, the hum would get into that. And if they could still hear the hum, then it's obviously not very low frequencies. Um, he would also wanted to put people in a soundproof chamber to test if it was acoustic, um, which is called a, what's the word? Echoic? Oh gosh, I've done that badly. Echoic? Echo chamber? No. <laughs> it's kind of like an echo chamber. It's a uh, anechoic chamber. So you'd put someone in an anechoic chamber to see if it was acoustic, and then you would have a control box where someone just gets in and sees if they can still hear it. 
right? So this was such a great idea. It's like fantastic. It's running theories. It's VLF. We build this box. We can figure it out. Yes or no. If it is, fantastic. If it's not, then at least we know that's not what it is, right? But Deming's kind of disappeared off the face of the hum map for a while. He didn't follow up on this research. He didn't kind of make any attempts to do it. He's not really available for interviews. He didn't really appear in the media after this at all. But um, McPherson was pioneering this website and he said, yes, I'll, I'll try to build the VLF box, Deming's box. So he crowdfunded a couple hundred dollars to create this box. Um, and after a couple months, they finally did. And it's this kind of, you can look up pictures of it online. It's this kind of grim coffin looking steel box, like something they put a criminal into and drop in the middle of the ocean <laughs> to like make sure they never see the light of day again. It's very macabre. But he built it. And so supposedly it worked. So he built the Deming box in April of 2016. Okay. At this point, this journalist goes to him and, and she, you know, this journalist is, is researching the worldwide hum and says, hey, can I come over for an interview? I'll, I'll visit your house. We'll talk to you about it. And then, you know, if you're using the Deming box, I'd love to see it get used. And he's like, yep, sure, come. This journalist goes, they've written this huge article and then he doesn't do it. Brian he doesn't get in the box. doesn't get in the box. Why not? Well, the journalist is just like, you know, kind of trying to ask that. And as far as the article goes, McPherson's kind of just says it's not ready. I'm not, I'm not ready to do it yet. And it's just getting in this box. This, this, this is what I don't understand. And if you're listening, Glenn McPherson, please get back to me. Because what was the delay in getting in the box? It was sitting in the garage. It's there. Like, you could figure this out. You have this entire community of over 17,000 people wanting to know the answer. Maybe that was a lot of pressure. I can imagine it probably would be. That's a lot. It's like all these 17,000 people who have written their paragraphs on this map on the internet. donated money, too. Donated money are waiting for me to get in this box. And if it's incorrect, then I guess that's on him or was, was it who's it was Deming's so it was Deming's idea but he's kind of disappeared off the scene so now it's, it's all spearheaded by McPherson so McPherson basically runs a blog and in the blog you can see from April 2016 talking about the box and you know he's saying I, I think we've built it correctly but I'm not 100% sure we would need like a physicist to come down and make sure that it is VLF proof um there's, he's kind of talking about it every now and then, but he just doesn't get in it. And it was so frustrating. I was reading this, looking, I was looking at his Twitter, I was looking at these archived posts, trying to figure out why is he, why he is not getting in this box. Did he ever get in the box? Because nowhere does it say, you know, in blank he got in the box and this was the result. Wait, he never did? Well, no, he did. Oh, oh it great. It took me like maybe 30 minutes to find, and this is just on his blog. It's like a single line. He usually writes paragraphs and paragraphs, a single line, in September of 2016, almost six months later, still heard it. Maybe he was being blackmailed. I don't know. Ooh. This is really like it was really mysterious. Like, Maybe it's, it's a conspiracy. I mean, that's the thing. It's it's fun. I would like. It's really fun to imagine that it was. But I I I, I just I don't know. Did he talk about it after that? A little bit, yeah. And after he talked about it, but all the post was got in the box, didn't hear it. Oh, did hear it. Still held. Still, still heard it. So 
It's not VLF. It's not VLF. Which had been the running theory for both the Demings and him as well as for the majority of the hum community. So that's the first real theory that they actually scientifically debunked. Yes. But then in all these posts following up, he's writing paragraphs again about how maybe the box isn't 100% successful. Like maybe they haven't had actual physicists to come and check it out because it was kind of homemade. Oh, yeah, that Um, would help. Exactly. So it's kind of like, well, does the box work or not? How come nobody else has done this box? And then there's posts about people using an anechoic chamber. And Mm. I'm like, we have one. Like... (laughs) At Macquarie, somebody who hears the hum, I know there are people in Sydney who hear the hum, go in it. Let me know. And then I, I found one post where somebody was like, oh, well, it has to be in a quiet location and, you know, it has to be. But but it's, it's to me, this is really weird mixture of, of people in this community desperate to figure out the answer because this affliction can be really horrific for some people, right? Mm. Mixed with just a total like radio silence when it comes to following up on this research why does no one follow up on this research Uh, that's the real mystery maybe like it's all in the facebook community that i'm just not part of but i was it was like conspiracy it was frustrating i'm like there is like simultaneously this enormous push for information and also like it's so lackluster i feel like every couple of months it loses momentum and just does not get talked about it's super weird so so that was one theory VLF, the the third theory, which it seems to have been disproven by Deming's box. But then again, um, McPherson himself says it's not necessarily reliable and he's been the only one to get in it. The only one no one else has, I guess it's That I know of. I mean, I think it's just in his garage. So, so, I mean, is it really just... Anyway, the fourth theory is that it is a combination of, of very low frequencies and a human man-made phenomena. So the fact that there have been, there are radio towers, there are transmission boxes, there are these constant sources of, of radio transmission and, and signals and frequencies basically pinging around us the entire time. Are some people just more attuned to that and able to pick it up? That's true. So it's a combination. Yeah. Which is kind of the, the fourth theory. So from what I've seen, from the people who are actually researching it. It's divided between it being internal, like a film of tinnitus, or it being external, caused by maybe VLF or maybe other radio frequencies and signals that are out there in the world. But mm. the point stands, people just don't know. There is still no concrete answer. And there are more and more people every day reporting, hearing this hum. And no one will build another one of those boxes. I don't know why not. I mean, I, I, I saw another crowdfund for it and it was like, but it just didn't gain any tr- momentum. I don't know how much it would cost. I don't know how to build one. I don't know. Like, it's, it's wild to me that this thing is not done already. It was started in 2016. Gosh, we've had four long years to do it. My goodness. How long was it between when he built it and when he finally got into it? So he completed it in April. 2016 and he got in it in September so six months yeah about five to six months before he built it and got in it maybe that's our next project fish sticks and erica builds the demings box but we don't we need someone who can hear the hum that's true to to test it well well, maybe mcpherson can help us out (laughs) i don't think so i wish he would if you're listening mcpherson come yeah come help us out but but it's 
it's it's super interesting and there's no concrete answer and we don't know what causes the harm that's so curious so final verdict well i don't know as i was as i was researching this i started off when i first heard about the worldwide harm and i'd kind of heard it in passing you know watch you know watch a 30 second youtube clip and i was like oh yeah it's just it's just nonsense but then as i started to research i was like well no it's not nonsense people are obviously really hearing it um, and it's causing a lot of distress and you can pinpoint the difference between that and, and other sources. Um, cause like I said, he has done his research and there have been other people who've researched times where people have heard the hum and it's been debunked. I think there was one case where a whole village was reporting hearing the hum and it turns out they were all just hearing the mating cry of fish in the local lake. Hang on. <laughs> what does that even sound like? I know, apparently like a hum, <laughs> like a very low frequency hum. And were they hearing that outside or in their houses well i i I assume they would have been hearing it everywhere right but that was a case where people were going oh this whole group of people are hearing the harm and it was just fish getting rowdy getting busy (laughs) getting busy what was in that lake which is kind of more disturbing i mean i i don't think i should be able to hear fish below water at the best of times let alone when they're you know doing the the, the dirty Um, fish mating will be in our other episode. No. <laughs> Check the archives for our section on fish intercourse. Um, so I kind of, I kind of, yeah, when I started to do research, I was like, well, I think it's got to be internal. It's got to be like tinnitus, something that just people hear for some reason. Something's happened in their ears or with their hearing and this is just what they hear. Maybe they're hearing their own bodies functioning. Um, but actually, yeah, I was talking to, to my mum about the way that sound travels and the fact that people have not heard it outside. But also people have not heard it before the 60s. Because if it was internal, like tinnitus, they probably would have been reported. Yeah, see, that's really curious. That to me is, I think, the most interesting piece of information. It's the fact that it was really only reported 60s, 70s onwards. So that, to me, points to it being external. Maybe it is not necessarily VLF, but maybe it is some kind of infrasound, which is just kind of like another version of low hertz frequencies. And maybe it's the fact that, you know, we do live in a world now that is everywhere in the globe connected by some kind of radio wave or frequency or electrical interference. Could it be that some people just pick up on that? I think definitely, for me, mm. I think it could definitely be a combination of things mm-hmm. where some people are poor, probably more in tune to pick up on hearing stuff like that, especially indoors if it is reflecting and ricocheting off walls. It's not like you can see the waves. <laughs> Maybe you can, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of, that's kind of spooky though, right? It's like this idea of if there is this sound, and I know there are sounds all the time that we just can't hear, but if there is this sound out there constantly that people can hear, that, oh, I don't know, what something about that just sends chills up my spine. It's very cool. Well, it's like if I send you a text, that's some kind of electricity wave that we can't see that's just been... I mean, hell, we're using Wi-Fi, we're charging things, we're, there's, we can access the radio, we can access satellites, like... Can you imagine if you could see that, what oh, it would look like? It'd be chaotic. You couldn't see anything. It'd be so busy. But I also think that it's very suspicious that these people who have dedicated not their life's work, but a lot of work 
to this. Not stopped talking about it. I think it's suspicious that they dedicated a lot of time into it and reduced talking about it, avoided finishing their research, Why I guess. Why didn't he get in the box? I don't get it. I don't get it. And I've looked and looked and looked and the most I've found is him just being like, oh, I just, it just never, I just never got around to it or it wasn't the right time or I just, it's right there. Wouldn't you get in the box? I'm going to be the wild card and say I think it's a conspiracy. <laughs> By who? I don't know. The government? <laughs> Which government? I Which don't government? know. All the government. The only country that did not have a dot on that map was, well, not the only country, the only like landmass that did not have a dot on that her map was Greenland. <laughs> Unless it's a conspiracy by Greenland. I don't That's know. That's interesting. That's okay, an well, important it's, point. It's not an important point. Greenland yes, has it is. such a tiny population. And there's not one dot on there. Maybe they just haven't found the website yet. Maybe they've got shitty internet connection in Greenland. I don't know. So, okay, the verdict is it's a conspiracy by Greenland to shut people up <laughs> because they've got some huge radio wave machine happening. That they've been working on for, what, 50 years? Yep, to take over the world. So they've probably got... Greenland. A, they've got a partnership with aliens. Done. <laughs> wow. Hot take from you, fish sticks. Not the take I expected from you. I feel like you're usually a more level-headed one, but I can appreciate the dramatic flair. <laughs> Look, this is just one of those theories. Just, we just, just we don't know we don't what know. it is. I mean, I'm hoping that, I think the ideal situation would be, like, I'm, I feel like I'm so invested in this now. The ideal situation would, I think, in, you know, 20 years, us go, oh, yeah, it's a medical thing. It's, people are picking up on this, or people do hear this, and, you know, and it's like, I can't believe there was ever a conspiracy about it. Like, I hope we sound crazy, you know, and from his, an historical perspective. Or very right. Oh, well, I, I just, uh, I don't We could know. be on to something, Erica. Well, okay, I wish we weren't so liberal with the use of the word we. I wish <laughs> we could. Okay, just me then. <laughs> um, that's fine. <laughs> so your verdict is conspiracy theory from Greenland in collusion with aliens. Uh, my verdict is that I, I fucking don't know. I'm going to say, I think it's, I think there might actually be something out there. Not VLF, because I feel like I trust the Demings box that he built, even though I don't necessarily trust him. Um, but I think certainly it's something, something man-made that just people are picking up on. Like the way dogs can pick up on thunderstorms or stuff. Exactly. It's very interesting. And it's kind of spooky. It is spooky. Well... This has been the Hoke Poke Pod. I'm Emily. And I'm Erica. We'll see you next time. Hi, you've reached the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening. And if you like what you've heard, it would be fantastic if you could rate us or leave a review. Or better yet, show us to some of your friends. Get the word out there about this spooky little podcast. If you want to know more about us or this episode, you can visit our website, thehokepokepod.com.au. We post updates, links, episodes, and any references we've mentioned, you'll be able to find them right there. We'd like to say a huge thank you to Giamo Timble for the amazing graphics and art that he's made for the podcast, as well as our undying appreciation to Robert P. Kelly, our marvellous and ever-patient we love you rob and finally if you'd like to contact us you can send us an email at hokepokepod at gmail.com we'd love to hear from you feedback episode suggestions whatever takes your fancy we will be there thank you so much for the support and we'll catch you next time bye bye